Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of sola scriptura and tota scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and also make sure you join in the discussion and contribute to the Inquisition, Inquisition questions every week on the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge. You can thank John for that really long name. That's on Facebook. I am flying solo this week. Uh, scheduling was just kind of insane. So uh, here we go. Let's talk a little bit about Kanye. Uh, dude was supposed to drop an album called Jesus is King. He is claiming uh, conversion to the Christian faith. He's even running worship services these days. Uh, but he was supposed to put out an album a week ago today. And let's see what old Google says about Kanye. Yeah, it's still not out. The thing is still not out. Um, so what do we do with this? Uh, <laughs> it, it seems, it seems kind of silly to even talk about, uh, this massive celebrity who's worth more than probably my entire audience combined in terms of net worth, but Kanye has claimed to become a Christian. So now we have to hold him to Christian standards, right? Or at least advocate that, um, the album is called Jesus is King, which we all agree with, uh, but it's not out. Uh, Jesus kind of said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. So it would seem that we should do what we're going to say, right? And uh, and his wife, uh, also very famous, Kim Kardashian, which <laughs> whoever thought that Kanye and Kim Kardashian would be mentioned on this podcast uh, when this first started, <laughs> but, but she's put out tweets or something of the sort saying, Oh, he's just a perfectionist and he keeps changing stuff. Well, at the same time, we still have to live up to what we say. Now, of course, Kanye is very good at advertising that this may all be intentional. Uh, but I think it correlates really well to our worship teams, our churches, our volunteer stuff, where, I mean, we just need to do what we tell people we're going to say we're going to do um, in terms of, you know, hey, if you hit yes on Planning Center, show up on time, <laughs> show up prepared, uh, even even down to saying, yes, I am available this many weeks out of every month. And if you're saying, just for example, two weeks of every month I'm available for this thing, and then for three months in a row with not really any extenuating circumstances other than the fact that you wanted to go to the lake or something like that, you're turning down requests to serve. Well, I think we have a little bit of a problem at that point. So I just, I just kind of see this pattern in a lot of church life of people saying, yeah, I'm totally good for, for all of this. And then they end up not being like, come on, people. Jesus told us to do otherwise. So let's follow Jesus. <laughs> um, also, <clears throat> one more thing on Kanye is, yes, if, if, if he is legitimately a Christian now, that's awesome. I'm not going to complain about that in the least. At the same time, this dude needs some accountability. Uh, he is far too young in the faith to be running uh, any kind of worship services 
like it, you look at the the requirements for an elder. He shouldn't be a new convert and presiding over worship services uh, that that only sets him up for disaster. And I think that speaks to a deeper issue in American evangelicalism, where we are obsessed with celebrity Christians uh, and and them doing well or them being converted and immediately going and reaching the masses. Now, to an extent, like I I get, you know, Kanye being. A, a a musical artist, a rapper. Um, if someone converts, that's going to show your your worldview is going to show up in your creative works, whether it's music or writing or whatever, or even public speaking. It's just going to show up. So we would expect that, but we shouldn't expect Kanye West, who says that he is converted. Recently, we should not expect him to be a leader of the faith. Um, I also think about uh, someone like Tim Tebow, where we've bent over backwards to say, oh, well, he wasn't given a a good shot, uh, a fair chance, or anything like that. All he does is win. Uh, Well, at the same time, he also completed less than half of his passes in the NFL. And his most recent season in the minor leagues, he was literally the worst player in all of minor league baseball. So yeah, Tim Tebow, good dude. Appreciate the guy for, you know, standing up for his faith and not being ashamed of the gospel or anything like that. But at the same time, let's not expect him just because he is a Christian. He's not going to be the best athlete. He's not going to he doesn't necessarily need to be in the spotlight just because he's a Christian. You know, some people, some people need to, uh, for one, he just needs more time than batting cage. (laughs) He needs more time doing proper drills. Uh, though he does have, uh, enviable biceps among, among other muscles. (laughs) Um, at the same time, we shouldn't be looking to celebrity Christians for our direction in life. We should we should be looking more so to the people within our own churches as they point us to Jesus. One other thing that I wanted to get to um, was this Amber Geiger uh, situation. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Amber Geiger uh, was just convicted of murder incidents to 10 years in prison for the murder of Botham Jean, where... Uh, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, obviously you can't right now because this is a podcast. This isn't a conversation, but you get, what I mean, um, she apparently went into the wrong apartment. Uh, she's, she was a cop, uh, thought that she was in her apartment and this guy was there and <laughs> an altercation and Susan, she kills him. Um, that, th- those are the details as far as I'm aware um, but the, the really cool thing in, in this, and most of you have probably seen this floating around, is Botham Jeans, or however you say his name, I'm probably butchering that. Uh, his brother, uh, during the sentencing hearing, told Geiger that he forgives her, that he wants the best for her, um, that she needs to give her life to Christ. And that's just such a good example for all of us, 
like this this brother would <laughs> none of us would really look down on this brother if if he exhibited anger and uh, bitterness like we, we would understand that uh, but particularly in this outrage culture era uh, seeing so much forgiveness and grace shown to this guy's brother's murderer uh, or manslaughterer however we want to define that she killed her brother or his brother um, it's kind of mind-blowing to see that in in the public square these days and it was it was a good refresher on on the gospel of of we're no better than she is, um, and at the same time we are no farther from savability, if you will. <laughs> God God can and does save whoever He wants, and that basic gospel proclamation of you are a wretched sinner in the eyes of God, and yet God has made provision for you through the death and life, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for your sins to be forgiven and for you to actually walk in righteousness. Now, obviously, the gospel proclamation in the courtroom wasn't, you know, full-fledged, you know, you couldn't pop open uh, Burkhoff or uh, Bob Inc. or even uh, No Way Wayne, as <laughs> the guys for Doctrine and Devotion refer to, to Grudem. You couldn't pop open a systematic theology in, in a courtroom and be like, well, here's the gospel in very academic terms. Like, you know, you're not going to get everything precisely uh, accurate in that kind of situation. But the fact that the dude got up there on the stand, looked her in the eye, said those things, gave her a hug afterward, that's just awesome. Also, the judge got down from her platform and gave Geiger a Bible and a hug, um, much to the chagrin of the Freedom From Religion Foundation, which has filed a complaint uh, as of yesterday against this judge, you know, saying, oh, it's a violation of church and state and whatever. Uh, so Dan Barker is the most famous guy involved in the freedom from religion foundation. And all I'm going to say is this one, <clears throat> the Bible or I'm sorry, the constitution with the separation of church and state Well, one separation church and state uh, is not in the constitution. What is in the constitution is that the government will make no law respecting the establishment of a religion and it cannot prevent the free exercise thereof. So this judge is free to exercise her Christian religion uh, in the way that she sees fit, provided it doesn't run counter to, provided it's not effectively establishing a state religion. Obviously it doesn't. The judge in that moment was not speaking as a judge, and even if she was speaking, quote-unquote, as a judge, there's still no real problem there, right? Like, honestly, what's what's being done here by the Freedom From Religion Foundation is they are attempting to silence any kind of, any kind of Christian expression in public. Uh, what we see more and more is people saying, well, freedom of religion means that you can think whatever you want. No, it means it means I can think whatever I want and then act on those convictions, obviously, provided I'm not killing people or something like that, something uh, 
objectively <laughs> horrible, um, which then we can get into objective truth and all that kind of stuff. But what we have to realize is there there is a a battle of ideas in the public square right now. And as as much as as much as it sucks, he who is the least tolerant, if you will, uh, wins. So what we what we need to do is boldly proclaim the gospel with no compromise. That's not to say that we need to just run up to Dan Barker and punch him in the face. Uh, that wouldn't go over well for anybody. Uh, when when Christianity spreads through violence, it's not Christianity. It's you could call it Christendom, if you will. Uh, I think of you know a lot of the stuff that happened in the Middle Ages with uh, the Crusades, though though those are a mixed bag. Admittedly, um, they weren't all good and they weren't all terrible. Uh, they had good reasons on both sides. But what we have to do is we cannot back down from our gospel proclamations. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. So, uh, let's get on to, I'm just going to do a couple of Inquisition questions here because I don't have my dudes, John and Bradley. So, uh, Dustin Beeman asks, should we partake in communion at a Catholic church service or a Catholic wedding? Uh, if there's different answers to either of those, why? Um, this was actually discussed pretty well in the, uh, in the podcast lounge, and I would say, uh, for a Protestant, absolutely not. And the the problem there is, it's not just that they teach that the the elements become the body and blood of Christ. It's that it is being presented as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. We believe that Jesus was sacrificed once for all. We don't need more sacrifices. We don't need an additional sacrifice. Uh, we are justified by faith. By We are saved by grace alone, justified by faith alone in the work of Christ alone. And therefore, if we believe, if we are taking part in something that someone says, hey, this will help you get forgiven, uh, no, that we should absolutely reject that. Uh, you could even use the term blasphemy there because it's it's absolutely stomping all over the gospel. Um, Jonathan Lenz, let's see. No, we'll do that one another time. Uh, Stephen Conradi, this I think this is a pretty good question uh, that I think we can tweak a little bit. He says, how do you deal with a church that refuses to change parentheses, get with the current times when it comes to modern worship? Um, and I really think uh, it's it's kind of the wrong question. It's it's a false dichotomy. What lies at the root of this question often is 
basically believing that certain methodologies will get certain results, our church growth and, and things like that. So what I think we need to do is, is look at why do we want certain forms of worship? And we've talked on this podcast before. I don't care if your church is traditional or modern in its styling. At Resurrection Church in Greer, South Carolina, we take a more modern approach and, and sprinkle in some traditional stuff. We also have very faithful churches close to us that are purely traditional. I don't care if you have instruments or not. I don't care if it's just a piano or if you have a full band or whatever. Uh, what I want out of your church is for you to worship in spirit and truth. That's really, really all I care about. Uh, let's see. Brian Morris, church name changes. How do you navigate that na- that conversation or should we just leave the name alone? Oh man, that's a good question. And Bradley actually walked through that here at Res several years ago before I got here. So we'll just hold off on that one. So Brian, we actually will answer that one uh, in pretty good detail uh, next week. So let's see, where am I in my notes? I don't even know anymore. Follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. You can support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money to help us improve and keep this thing going. You can pledge to donate $10 a month for a year and get your choice of a Piper Drive version 2 or the Wycliffe Fuzz. For the outro, I'm going to leave you with my cover of Champion utilizing a slew of Westminster Effects products, including the Zwingli SDD3K preamp, the Edwards Overdrive version 2, the Spurgeon Hall Reverb, and the Geneva amps. And the only thing that uh, is not Westminster in the effects chain is I used a Strymon Brigadier for the delay tones. So here's that cover. Thanks for listening.